On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. This is Rachel from C-SPAN's podcast team, along with my colleague, Nate. Join us as we celebrate C-SPAN's 45th anniversary and our inaugural Founders Day campaign. It all started as a bold experiment on March 19, 1979, when C-SPAN first brought coverage of the House of Representatives into living rooms across America. Let's celebrate C-SPAN's visionary founders who believed in offering unfiltered access to the inner workings of our political process. From Congress to the White House to the courts and beyond, C-SPAN has documented history unfolding without commentary or spin for over four decades. Help us keep it going. Visit cspan.org slash donate today to give a gift in celebration of C-SPAN's Founders Day. Your donation honors the original vision of C-SPAN's founders and helps to advance our mission for years to come. Make your donation today at cspan.org slash donate. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And welcome to About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Now, in a few minutes, we'll talk with the head of Skyhorse Publishing, which recently acquired Regnery and has become a force in publishing controversial books. But first, here's some of the latest news from the publishing world. Today's show anchor, Savannah Guthrie, is the latest author to battle scammers who use AI technology. Within days of releasing her faith-based memoir, Mostly What God Does, Ms. Guthrie was warning her social media followers about book scams that use her name. Quote, so many fakes out there, she wrote on her Instagram account. I didn't write anything other than the book, Mostly What God Does. No workbooks, no studies, no nothing. The Today Show followed up Ms. Guthrie's post with an article about the online fakes and tips on how to spot AI-generated books. Now, earlier this month, Circana BookScan reported that 767 million units of books were sold last year in the U.S. That's down 3% from 2022. Adult fiction sales grew by 1%. That's about 1.5 million books. It's the fifth year of growth in the adult fiction sector. The report also noted that young adult sales, driven by dystopian, romance, and thrillers, also posted gains. Now, children's books experienced the steepest decline last year, selling 13.5 million fewer books than it did 
in 2022. Now in the report, Circana industry analyst Kristen McLean offered predictions for 2024 and book sales. She included an expected growth in history and political science books. Those genres, quote, typically spike in an election year, she said, if modeled off market expectations based on 2016 or 2020, Circana expects a banner year in 2024. And joining us now is the president of Skyhorse Publishing. So Tony Lyons, Tucker Carlson described you as the last radical publisher in the United States. What do you think he meant by that? You know, I think that publishers to a great extent have become sort of ways for people to just confirm their biases. So, you know, the big publishing companies don't want to, uh, you know, uh, publish books that upset the people who work for them. They view publishing in a totally different way than I do. So I think that books should be disturbing. They should be dangerous. They should challenge people that people should seek out books that are controversial, you know, that have a totally different point of view than the one that they're comfortable with. And I don't see the point in people reading books that just sort of confirm all their biases. You know, what's the what's the benefit to the reader there? You know, it's sort of maybe easy reading and 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 they can read it while they're doing something else or or you know, not, you know, there's no need to take notes, there's no need to do any research, there's no need to think about it. So, you know, I think that that we're at this terrible stage in American history, maybe in world history, where people are not interested in really thinking things through and in looking at opposing points of view. And I, you know, I find that that's, that's really a much bigger danger than the danger of, you know, any ideas. So I think that that there should be this vigorous marketplace of ideas where people disagree, where they, you know, people turn on the television and they hear both sides of all kinds of things. You know, we published a book in the fall of 2020 called The Case Against Wearing Masks. And at the same time, we published a book called The Case for Wearing Masks. And both of them were sort of in-depth looks at, you know, what the arguments were. And so, uh, Amazon, some of the other big tech platforms took down the case against wearing masks because the government had decided that masks were good um, and that uh, having anything uh, on the marketplace that challenged that idea was dangerous. So they were able uh, during that period to get all of the big tech platforms to get Amazon, Google, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, to take down anything that they disagreed with, and there, are, you know, there are uh, many cases now that are that are pending, where uh, it was clear that uh, people from government agencies or uh, people from the executive branch actually called up Amazon or YouTube or other places and told them to take material down and in a sense threatened them. I mean, they have so much power and the big tech companies were scared of, uh, you know, antitrust lawsuits or, you know, other regulation. So they pretty much felt that they had to do it. And there's some letters back and forth saying, you know, how do you want this censorship to, to go down? Do you want us to just take the book off or take the information off? Or should we 
de-amplify it. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that I think uh, most Americans have believed for, for decades happen in Russia or China, but you know, not in the United States, that here um, we have access to information and we can decide things for ourselves. So, you know, Skyhorse, uh, you know, uh, my goal with Skyhorse is to sort of be the preeminent free speech publisher where people can find things that other publishers find are too dangerous, too challenging, and are afraid to publish, uh, don't want the hassle of it. Um, so, so I think that there's a real role there and that there are places like Regnery that weren't doing well because in a sense they were just getting, they were getting canceled in the marketplace. And Tony Lyons, you took that same pro and anti approach with Elizabeth Holtzman and Alan Dershowitz, the case for and the case against impeaching Donald Trump. Right. And, you know, so I so I think that's a that's a really interesting way of publishing books and that, you know, I would like people to buy both of those books and and or or to buy the one that they think that they really disagree with. And if their ideas can really stand up, then then they shouldn't be afraid. You know, so if somebody really believes something, why not read the opposite point of view? You know, why not say, where are my strongly held beliefs coming from? Is it that I'm being indoctrinated? Is it that I just, you know, uh, grew up in a, in a certain part of the country, so all the people here have that same point of view? I mean, I grew up in New York City. I'm sure that there are a lot of people in New York who have very similar points of view when it comes to politics or some specific issues. And then you go to Alabama and you have people with very different points of view. So the narrative in New York is that the people in Alabama um, are you know, not as intelligent as the people in New York. And I'm sure that if you ask the people in Alabama, they would think that the people in New York are, are just these crazy woke people who have these misguided views uh, that, that can't really stand up. So the idea is that you know, any idea ought to be able to stand up to argument. And, you know, that's what I would like to see much more of in this country. And then there's a there's a much more sinister side of it in that, um, you know, the big tech platforms, uh, the Internet started out as this incredible opportunity for just maximum diversity, that every kind of idea, um, you know, was there somewhere. And if you were willing to do a little bit of research, you could find it. But then at some point, it kind of all went south. And what happened there is that people discovered that you can control the internet so that the internet becomes the best possible source of censorship, that the tools are so incredibly powerful. So while, while it started out as this opportunity for just this open world where everybody could have a voice, what it, it winds up being is that uh, you can use bots, you can use uh, specific types of censorship to make sure that it's very, very difficult to get opposing points of view. And when it comes to, to politics, you can really stifle dissent if you uh, just make sure that nothing that contradicts what your narrative is 
uh, you know, can be easily accessed. So that becomes true even with things like, uh, let's say, the Iraq War, where we all saw the beginnings of, of that. So people who said that there weren't weapons of mass destruction, you know, were censored, were vilified, in some cases lost their, their government jobs. Uh, there was a CIA agent outed as, as punishment for it. So that was the beginning of it. And, and then you saw things like, uh, you know, the, the uh, Snowden story where there was a war on whistleblowers. But what it's come down to, and it really happened during COVID, is that uh, anybody who disagreed then just kind of disappeared from the Internet. So there were people who who had, you know, decades of building up their uh, online presence, maybe not decades, maybe 10, 15 years, um, who, if the government or if a big tech platform decided that something they were saying constituted misinformation, they could have their whole life's work just disappear, just taken down with no real recourse, no real way to kind of sue the government or sue YouTube or sue Google. Um, and, and, and that, I thought, was just such an incredible turnaround in American history and so sad to see. Um, but what it, what it winds up being and, and what, it, what it really can get to is that any kind of dissent can be labeled as misinformation. So when you looked at, uh, at the definition of health misinformation during COVID, it actually became and was described in many places as anything that contradicts the official government point of view. So you would have one official say something and anybody who contradicted that official then uh, was scrubbed from the internet. So the problem is that once you give the government that kind of power, it's not easy to take it back. And, you know, so you can say, well, we're in a crisis, so we have to do uh, take certain steps to to protect people, even if uh, there are many people who would then say, well, you didn't actually protect people. You protected people making certain products, corporations making certain products. Um, but 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 that's a long story that doesn't really fit here. But the idea is that you can then take any narrative about any subject and say that it's the truth. And because it's the truth, anything that contradicts it uh, shouldn't be allowed to be published, either in, in book form or in, or in any other form. And, and that, I think, is sort of fundamentally un-American. So I really want to combat that, and I'm, I'm working very hard to, to do that. And, and I think you know, that a company like Regnery uh, that has this really storied history of publishing uh, conservative views for, you know, 75 years, uh, then sort of found itself uh, not well represented in any independent bookstores, for example, um, many books that, that they published. I mean, I didn't really know the details, but I could see from the books that I was publishing. So when I published Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, you know, it was the best-selling book in America in its first week. It sold 93,000 copies. The New York Times bestseller list made it number seven. Uh, they wouldn't accept an ad for it. Big tech platforms wouldn't take ads for it. Um, so it was censored in, in every possible way. It got no reviews at all, total media blackout. 
because it was labeled as misinformation, which by the definition that was prevalent then, which was anything that contradicted statements by Dr. Fauci were per se misinformation. He represented science. And that was that was where where, you know, the government position had had gotten to. So a book that contradicted him, even just by the title. So you didn't have to read any of it to decide that, that the title itself was misinformation because it said that a government official might be saying things that were untrue or incomplete or needed further research. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Tony Lyons, is it fair to say that you publish conservative books? I know you just bought Regnery and another conservative publisher as well. Yeah, so you know, we we publish books across the political spectrum. We have um, many books coming out this this year that are, um, you know, really solidly con- conservative books. We have pro-Trump books, but we also have anti-Trump books coming out. We have uh, books that are for uh, Bobby Kennedy. Uh, so you know, it's really across the political spectrum with all the different nuances. And that's the kind of publisher that I that I want to be. So when it comes to conservative books, I've been really fascinated by the censorship of those books. So that kind of drew me more towards that kind of publishing. Um, and on the you know on the Democratic side, if if you have a, a really well respected uh, Democrat writing a mainstream book right now, you have five you know, gigantic publishing companies, five companies that, you know, are are more than a billion dollar companies that are gonna gonna bid on those books. But if you have a really great, um, you know, exciting, interesting, challenging conservative book, um, there are not many publishers who would be brave enough to publish them now. So that's a, it's a very strange historical moment there. And so I wanted to take part in kind of writing what I see as a as a wrong. You've published Woody Allen, RFK Jr., as you said, Alex Jones. Is there anything off limits? You know, uh, that's always a tough question. And, uh, you know, if if a book explores a point of view and, you know, that's a and it's a strong argument for whatever the point of view is, I think it's better for the world to have it out there. And I think that that what you find is, you know, when you look at this country now, there are really two Americas with two totally different narratives of what the truth is. And, you know, I think that that's really 
uh, really harmful, really dangerous, but also bad for the American mind, that, that we really want the broadest possible spectrum of ideas. And, and, and the idea that, that both sides have, that there's all this misinformation and that that ought to be taken down. You know, really, the truth is decided, like I said before, in the marketplace of ideas, and that it's much better to have it done in the town square with people making their very best arguments, rather than a publisher or a government or a big tech company deciding for us what the truth is. Some of the other authors published by Skyhorse include Ted Cruz, Paul Manafort, Chris Hedges, and Julian Lennon. What, where did the name Skyhorse come from? Uh, the, the name Skyhorse came from an employee who worked at the company uh, many, many years ago. Uh, I really liked the name. It doesn't really have much to do with the person that it that it came from. But I had started off thinking that I was going to going to call it Pegasus Books. And what I what I liked was the idea of something sort of uh, soaring in into the clouds, you know, something big, some some big idea, some new way of publishing. And uh, but at the time that that trademark was taken, uh, you know, there's there's another publisher called Pegasus Books. Uh, so Skyhorse seemed like a like a good alternative to that. And it's a name that I that I really like now, you know, totally separately from the from the history of where the idea of it came from. Well, Tony Lyons, you started with Lyons Press. Does that still exist? Yes. So my father started Lyons Press in 1985. He was a professor of, of literature in New York. He, he wrote, uh, I believe, 26 books and literally thousands of articles in newspapers and magazines. He's still alive. He's 91 years old, an incredible man. And uh, so he founded Lions Press and hired me. I had uh, gone to law school, practiced law for about 18 months, and then joined his publishing company. And I helped him run that uh, up until 2001. And then we sold the company and I went with them and, uh, uh, and then uh, ran it for the company that bought us for three years. Uh, and and they, are, they are still uh, still publishing books, yes. Will you keep the Regnery imprint or fold that into Skyhorse? Definitely keep the Regnery imprint. I think it's a great brand, um, and I and I'd like to you know be a good steward of of the brands that that we take on. What about AI? Would you publish a book written in AI? Yeah, I mean my my feelings there are are that you know it's a very complicated area. And I think that um, that as a free speech publisher, that I should be open to all the different historical changes. So, you know, I'm 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 a little bit uh, skeptical of you know sort of how it's going to all play out. And with certain kinds of books, it it seems like it's uh, it's it's not going to play out well. Um, but but in but in theory, you know, if it was, for example. Um, somebody was going to write a practical book and it was somebody who was an expert in that area and and they had written many many articles and ai then became a way for them to sort of shortcut the whole process and say um write a book in my own voice based on my own articles 
um, on how to do some specific thing. You know, so to the extent that it would just save them 500 hours work and then create an authentic book that was their idea based on, you know, their form of, 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 of writing, their style, their ideas, you know, that, that I think isn't a bad thing. And that, you know, anytime we can um, find ways historically to do things more quickly and get a product that's, you know, just as high quality, that's fine. You know, I, you know, I think that there are a lot of dangers to it too. And that we're, you know, we're starting to, to see what some of those are, that there's all kinds of bias that can go into the process of, of AI, but, but I'm, but I'm open to anything. Tony Lyons founded Skyhorse in 2006, 57 New York Times bestsellers so far, more than 10,000 books on the backlist. The Wall Street Journal says about him, quote, Mr. Lyons doesn't use sensitivity readers and that alone qualifies him as a maverick in today's environment. But he's really an old fashioned civil libertarian wary of power in all its forms. He especially deplores the extent to which social media platforms, traditional media and government seem to have joined hands to combat misinformation. He sees such coercive unity as antithetical to the healthy clash of viewpoints necessary for discovering truth. Tony Lyons is the publisher of Skyhorse. We appreciate your spending a few minutes with us. Thanks so much. And you're watching About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Well, each week dozens of new books are published. Here's a few. Author Peter Schweitzer is out with his latest book, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. Mr. Schweitzer's previous book also focused on China. His 2022 book was Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. Another new book, Nick Troiano has released The Primary Solution, Rescuing Our Democracy from the Fringes. Mr. Troiano is executive director of Unite America, which advocates for election reforms like nonpartisan primaries and independent redistricting. And one other new book to note, former federal prosecutor Andrew Weissman and New York University law professor Melissa Murray compiled the four criminal indictments against former President Donald Trump into one book. It's called The Trump Indictments, The Historical Charging Documents with Commentary. Now this book includes a timeline of the four cases, a guide of those charged alongside the former president, and historical comparisons to cases against other former political leaders. Mr. Weissman served as a lead prosecutor in former special counsel Robert Mueller's office, and he previously authored the book, Where Law Ends, Inside the Mueller Investigation. And we wanna note one book review this week. The Guardian's Martin Pengelly took a look at the Washington book, How to Read Politics and Politicians. It's by Carlos Lozada of the New York Times. Mr. Pengelly calls the book, quote, an authoritative overview of U.S. political publishing in the last decade. And Carlos Lozada, by the way, will be a guest in the coming weeks on C-SPAN's Q&A program. And this week on Book TV's Afterwards program, journalist Kara Swisher talked about her career covering the tech industry and its key players. Here's a preview. Burn Book is an expression, actually Mean Girls is out now, which is kind of yeah. fortuitous for me. 
Um, but it's a book you write things you really think about people, and you're not people aren't supposed to see it. And of course, that's the whole premise of that movie. Um, and you have fun with it, and it's sort of gossipy and mean a little bit, but funny. And and so I decided that's why what I was doing in my memoir in, mm. of what my 30 years covering Silicon Valley. The same time, the subhead is a tech love story because I love tech. Yeah. So I don't want this idea that. You know, there's there's a lot of tropes out there. You know, tech is terrible. It's not terrible. It's mm. how how it's being used essentially. And so I want to say I love tech, but let me tell you what happened. Yeah, yeah. In this journey to, to these people becoming the world's richest and most powerful people. And a reminder that Afterwards airs every Sunday evening at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Book TV. Well, thanks for joining us for About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. We'll continue to bring you publishing news and new author programs. And a reminder that you can get this podcast on the C-SPAN Now app. And you can also watch online anytime all of our author programs at booktv.org. Mm-hmm.